Should we talk about our follow-up items? I think that's a good place to start. Mm. I think last week we did follow up very much out of order, but that's okay. Yeah, probably good to start with it. Uh, I did have one thing. I just want to excuse myself for saying UX experience. This is sort of like saying ATM machine. Uh, So I just want to say sorry for saying UX experience because X already stands for experience. Moving on. Uh, the next thing I want to say is, you guys know, you guys remember how we were talking about the rubber band haptic feedback. We spoke about this for probably like 20 minutes. We probably cut it yep. down, but it was a long discussion. We were like, how does this work? Uh, so basically, what we talked about is that we felt like there's no... Now, if you stand still on top of a table view in on, on the watch, so if you're like in the top of messaging or in the top of uh, a calendar day, and you look at that uh, on the on the watch and you over scroll so you do type of like almost like a pull to refresh in that view there used to be this like rubber band effect so you get a bit of a like bounce back like a haptic feedback and we noticed that's not there anymore it's it's at least a lot less dominant um and i think we sort of said like oh yeah wait maybe there was a uh, there, there was actually a watch update to 5.0.1 and maybe that's where this was removed do you guys uh, remember this i didn't say that I remember the discussion. Yeah. 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 Uh, So I think we sort of like justified it with that. But I realized. I'm pretty sure I said that it wasn't the case. You might have said it wasn't the case, but we were moving on because we spoke about it for 20 minutes. Um, I wasn't convinced either, but I realized afterwards (laughs) that. So Zach is taking all the blame. (laughs) I didn't want to say it. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, afterwards I realized, like two days later when I re-listened to the podcast, I was like, wait a second, I updated my watch this morning. And since I'm quite slow at updates, this was obviously the 5.01 update. So that means that when we were recording, I was still on 5.00. So there was no change in the rubber band effect between 5.0 and 5.001. 5.01. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So they seem to have removed it for watchOS 5. Something's going on there. I do remember recording the previous week and it being there, but oh well. It's I might be imagining things. I'm going crazy. I still think I think it just changed with the hardware. I do think my Series Three Apple Watch has the rubber branding. My Series Four Apple Watch doesn't, no matter what software version. Not that I ever use my Series Four uh, Apple Watch with WatchOS Four. But all of the WatchOS 5 ones we've had so far, none of them had rubber banding on the Series 4 hardware. I think that for the podcast, we're going to have to buy all the watches with all the different software updates on them and test it out. What do you think? It's for science and for the podcast. If you send me your credit card details, I am completely in on this. (laughs) Another thing we spoke about was the side button of the watch. We spoke a lot about this watch, um, mm. but we spoke about Good that watch. the side button might potentially have been made larger on this version. And I found, or I picked up my old Series 2 watch and I measured it by hand. It was not very, probably not very precise, but there seemed to be a difference. So I got it to that the Series 2 side button is about 11 millimeter and the Series 4 is about 12 millimeters. I don't have a Series 3. Uh, in the smallest size, so I couldn't measure that. But yeah, it seemed to have been a difference. 
And that might be why it's easier to, why some of us thought it was easier to hit the button. Cool. Yeah, it does seem slightly taller, but yeah, I haven't, haven't taken a, a measurement to that. But I could probably do that. I have a Series 0 lying around, so maybe, maybe for the next episode if we want to keep this follow-up train going. I think it's a very important discussion to have, so you, sh- you should go ahead and measure that. Yeah. That one millimeter makes a difference. It's important. <laughs> well, on a watch that's only 40 millimeters, it's, it's important. Cool. Uh, I think that's everything I had for follow-up. It was mostly watch stuff. Um, is there anything you guys want to talk about? I think Kai has to address the closing comments of that he made last week. And some things were acquired. Yep. Yeah. Good news. We're rich. So, um, Astro, the email client I I added to the list uh, a few weeks ago, when we were still when Apple didn't release new stuff, and we instead maintained a list of our favorite apps instead, uh, instead of talking about Apple stuff. Um, I mentioned Astro as as an email client that I'm using at the moment because it kind of did all the things I liked. It was a native app, uh, both on iOS and and macOS, and had like nice swipe gestures and snoozing and and send later stuff, all the kind of things uh, that that I I like using for my email clients. Um, and I think during the recording or during that day or the day before, I'm really good with dates. Um, got an email from from the Astro teams. Uh, I think the title. Let me let me figure out what the t- title was because the title was great. Yeah. So um, the title was just Astro is joining Slack, and then the first sentence is we're excited to announce that Astro is being acquired by Slack, and then it's basically a two paragraphs of telling telling me how great it is uh, for them that they were acquired because now they have a lot of money and we no longer have Astro as a mail client. Uh, so they're uh, shutting down Astro Mail for Mac, iOS, Android, uh, Amazon Alexa and Slack uh, to the 10th of October and focus on whatever they're doing now with Slack. And so that was another one of the... I, I don't know... Um, I always struggle with those those acquisition emails where where the entire point is I, I I don't know. It's not tone dev. Tone dev is not the right word, but it's kinda of weird when, when this attitude is great news for us. Kinda of sucks for you, but let's tell us tell you how happy we are that we are no longer offering the service that you look supported us for. Um and yeah, that that's what happened to Astro. Yeah, and I think it's it's fine. Companies get acquired quite often, and it's it happens. But it's just the tone is a bit weird that they say. Basically, what Kai said the other week is like, "Hey, great news! We're rich." Um, it's it's a bit it's a bit funny that they they. Uh, I don't I didn't read the email myself, but I think um, they can be a bit more, I guess, apologetic or helpful to their users. Um, but yeah. I understand that they're happy and yeah and I mean I don't even know how much money they made of this I don't know it's just um that type of email is always there are some email, uh, some companies that kind of strike that balance where they're saying unfortunately we have to shut down our servers as part of the acquisition whatever but I found that one was kind of more in the realm of we're happy and sucks that you liked our client now um 
But yep, that's that's what happens. That's why it's always difficult to to be user of uh, free applications, and why I'm super happy to pay every application that I can. Um, whenever possible to to rather me actually paying them rather and that being a business model rather than them having to find a way of monetizing all their free services which usually ends up in an acquisition or or some kind of sale of whatever they built yeah and i think it's unfortunate it feels like quite often uh this is happening with third-party email clients too it happened with uh spyro spyro and uh, then there was that one that was acquired by Dropbox. Mailbox. Mailbox. And now it's this one. So it's it's a bit sad. And I think uh, many of us are looking for alternative email clients. Um, but I guess like I sometimes feel like... Sometimes I'm just using the default mail client because I feel like you, it's something that is maintained. It's something that won't go away. And it's something that um, has a consistent user experience on both iOS and Android. Uh, no, sorry, iOS and macOS. Um, <laughs> yeah, I said Android. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I do think certain certain things sort of always lead me to going back to using the uh, the default mail client. I was just about like to start using Astro um, and I was quite excited about it. And then, yeah, it, it, it went away. Um, but I do think it's it's good for them, but I think it tend to happen to email clients and it's a bit unfortunate. Yeah, so I'm I'm now back to using Spark. Um, I've, I've already since starting using it um, last week, uh, um, sent a couple of bug reports because there's some weird things happening. Um, but overall, Spark is pretty nice too. Also has a native iOS and macOS app. Um, does a lot of a lot of things similarly to what what Astro did. Um, they've been both around longer, and um, I also think Rattle seems to in general have a business model that's more structured of people paying them rather than being acquired. And I'm pretty sure they're last time I looked, they were profitable with all the efforts. So I'm more confident that it will stay around for a while. So back at that now. Oh man, I was so annoyed earlier today. I was in this message conversation and I got a message from someone who I already had in my, um, in my contact or in my, they called address books. It was contact. all, yeah, in, in my contact. Um, and I wanted to add this person's phone number, uh, to the already existing contact. And man, it was so frustrating. I think this works fine on iOS, but on macOS, it felt so buggy. Yeah, it's very difficult on the Mac. Hi, Sierra, to be fair though. Ah, peasant software. <laughs> <laughs> well, you try it, guy. All right. Kai's trying. He's going um, add to contacts. Add to contacts. And then you want to do contacts, which is, yeah. So it does the same thing. So if you first add to contacts, it creates a new contact. And then if you want to add it to an existing contact, you have to tap the button saying contacts. And then the whole message window sort of jumps. And then if you want to add it to like, it, the same thing happened with Kai. Uh, and then if you want to add like a, a custom tag to what this phone number is. So this is a person's US phone number. So I wanted to add like, Blah blah blah. US phone number, uh, and then um, it just stopped working, so I couldn't add it. Yeah, it's, uh, messages is not a great app on the Mac, uh, nor is Contacts. 
but now we have uh, news, uh, home stocks, and voice memo to to save us. Yes, true, true. Of course. So just make a voice memo to uh, add this to your contact yes. on your iOS. No, I'm just device saying the later. glory days of macOS apps are finally back. Apple put all their resources <laughs> behind uh, bringing those apps in the best quality to really show off the especially pro models of of Macs. <sighs> yeah, should we move on to our main topics? So I wanted to chat a bit about um, iOS 12 impressions. I think you guys were definitely on the beta earlier um, and you, you used it a bit longer than me, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Now when we, we have been using it on our, full, uh, on our main devices, it would be interesting to talk a bit about iOS 12 and what you guys think about it. Overall, considering how negative I was yesterday. Um, all Yesterday? Yep. Everything in the past is yesterday. Um it really feels like yesterday though uh i was basically sick uh the entire week since our last recording and and didn't really get anything done apart from getting our vacuum cleaner to work with uh, uh home kit home bridge so uh well that's that's one accomplishment but otherwise not not a lot anyway um i was a bit negative uh, uh last week um but kind of very focused on on the uh, sneak peek marzipan stuff Overall, I'm incredibly happy with basically all the updates this year. That includes uh, Mojave, and I think uh, my Mac is running uh, probably the best in a few years. I've never had this few issues with a Mac OS. Whoa. Yep. That's a really big change in a matter of like a week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... Huge improvement overall. I have a lot fewer weird behaviors. Uh, I don't have mouse cursors getting stuck randomly anymore. I have no more graphical glitches. It just feels like overall, especially the graphical stuff, that was really infuriating. And it seems like that's overall fixed. At least I haven't encountered a single one of those glitches. Um, WatchOS is great. And iOS is uh, iOS 12 is kind of in the same ballpark. Overall, I've been incredibly happy. F- had a few really, really minor glitches where uh, Springboard was freezing for like 10 seconds. But that only has happened once. Um, but overall, everything feels way quicker. Uh, share sheets are now uh, usable uh, and actually fun to use because they load way quicker or at least feel feel quicker to load. Um, if something needs longer to load, there's a spinner rather than freezing the entire UI. Um, um, overall, a lot fewer rotation issues. And I, I just feel like iOS 12 overall is uh, way more solid, way more reliable for me. I, I enjoy all the small improvements like sharing in photos. Uh, I used it, I don't know, every week whenever we go for a hike or go outside and take pictures. Uh, Mon and I use that every time, and it's great. It's, yeah, it the, works. Honestly, like these things that just make your life easier are amazing, and they work really good. Like, uh, like I said, like if you have um, if you have something like uh, taking put photos of of something you do together, like it really displays. If I take in the pic- some pictures within a day, it collects those to like a single sort of activity, I guess. Like it collects it to like 
a snippet of my album, basically, of my foot album. And then it just says, like, hey, we detected these people because we saw their faces. We detected these guys in, in your photos. Do you want to share it with these people? And I think that's really good. So, um, But I did have some pictures of people who I didn't actually have added to my contacts yet. And I was like, we found those people too. Do you want to add them to your contacts? And it was just really intuitive. And uh, I could easily like just go ahead and add them to my contacts from there and then just share it with the people who were in the pictures and who were there as well. And once, uh, if, if I would send this to Kai, he, it would suggest to him that he can send the pictures from the same day. And I think this is a really, really nice feature. And I think it's something that really just improves the usability. And it makes it like, I often feel like I do take a lot of pictures, but I don't really look at them or I take a lot of pictures, but I don't share them. But this makes those type of things so much easier. And it actually, I know this is cheesy, but it also made, and I know that it's done this for a while, but it made like a small like video of our day. So we were we were climbing up the, this mountain and it made a video of the day. And I was like, I, I was watching back on it and I was like, Oh, this is nice. Like I was just smiling while watching it, and it feels like it's it's getting better in knowing like what to put in those pictures. So, for example, it put more of the pictures of like uh, the nice views and the people who were in the pictures uh, rather than just taking like a picture I accidentally took off the ground, for example. Like it just was a lot smarter in like making a nice type of video of it and making a nice album that I could share. And I think it works really nicely. Yeah, and I before we moved from Sydney to uh, to Vancouver, we packed all of our belongings in boxes, um, labeled the boxes with numbers, and then on the inside we put post-its with all the contents in. So before we we wrapped them all up, I took a picture of the outside of the box so we could see the number, and then of the the post-it notes to describe all the contents, and. Uh, today I, I needed to find those images again because we wanted to check which box to open for a specific item. And it, I, I used a new search feature and it was really, really nice. I looked for boxes. Obviously, it, boxes wasn't a category it knew about, but it knew about cardboard boxes. So I thought, give that a shot. And then said Sydney. And it found exactly those pictures. And it took me, uh, I don't know. 10 seconds, 5 seconds to find them instead of what I usually do is go by roughly date or location. So it was just a really nice way of, of just finding the picture I want by by chaining together a few of those uh, categories that, that you can search for. And I thought that was really nice. Yeah, it feels in general like um, both for iOS and watchOS, it's been focusing a lot on like doing a lot of intelligent stuff for you. So it's it sort of feels like I'm using my phone and my watch less because there are a lot of things that it does for me, which I maybe wouldn't have done in the first place. Like sharing my photos, I probably wouldn't have done because I felt like it was too much effort to go in and find exact pictures. But now when it does this, I'm, I'm more happy to like actually actually go ahead and do like uh, sh- share things. And the same with like watch OS. I would normally not track a walk when I'm walking to the supermarket because I tend to forget about it. But now it just tells me like, oh, do you want to track this? And it feels like it does a lot of intel, like iOS and watchOS are doing a lot of intelligent things that they probably could have done for a while. Um, that really helps me as a user of, of the platforms and it almost makes me use it less, but I get more enjoyment out of it because it's less effort for me to use those features. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Mm. And then also things like, uh, we probably get into that when we actually do our spring cleaning for the, uh, for our app list. 
but the uh, integrations with uh, passwords for one password they're really nice if you autofill uh, a login and you use two-factor auth and you let one password generate those one-time auth uh, uh, sequences what do you call that numbers um uh, it autofills first your username, your password, and then copies the uh, one-time code to your clipboard. And then when you go to the one-time uh, uh, the two-factor question, you can just paste into field and hit next, and off you go. It's just those kind of things um, just make everyday usage of those of, of at least the devices for me so much nicer and so much more convenient. Plus. Also things like uh, if if you still use um, SMS token in certain places, in general, uh, I would probably recommend look if there are alternatives to SMS tokens. But if you do and you get a, you have to confirm your phone number, and you get a text message with with the uh, with the token, and it just auto uh, suggests it as an uh, in your uh, in your suggestion bar. What do you call that area? Suggestion area. The prediction. 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 It it shows us in your suggestion prediction bar above your keyboard. And it's really nice. And I feel like those kind of things all add up to an overall incredibly um, positive experience for me with iOS 12. And also something where it doesn't really feel like a a 0.0 release. It's not that I... I've not told a single person to hold off. I just feel in general all those point zero releases this year have been solid and recommendable. Yeah, 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 I, I agree. It feels like everything's just a bit more polished. In general, it feels like things are just working smoother. It's more what you imagine it to work like. And I think it's something that could maybe have been implemented like this from the start, but uh, it hadn't for reasons. And now I think it's nice that there are more more things that are polished and it feels like the whole phone feels a bit more snappy or responsive. It just doesn't feel like it has all those like slightly weird behaviors from time to time, especially UI behaviors. I haven't really noticed those things. Um, and really like the focus on making it a more intelligent a more intelligent device uh, by just making it easier for you to use your device, but also sort of taking you away from using your device directly is something I really appreciate. Yeah, definitely. And I think that really sums up iOS 12 in that uh, all the, with all the performance changes as well. And I think that's probably the most important uh, feature, for lack of a better word, of iOS 12 is that it just... It makes all the devices run really well again. And it's almost like you don't have to think about, oh, this is actually a two or three year old phone that I'm using, um, but you just use it and it's a device that works. And that part is really nice. Um, from early on in the beta period, I think everyone was saying that this is one of the most stable betas that's ever uh, for a major version anyway. And that is really true. Uh, I think from, I mean, we're still on, 12.0 has uh, a last public release and um, it feels really solid. There's no glaring bugs that uh, everyone's complaining about with the exception of uh, things I think related to the 10s specifically. Um, but especially on older devices, it does make them feel new and feel fresh again. And I've got absolutely no complaints about uh, anything like performance on my uh, iPhone 7, which is now a couple of years old. 
And I think the fact that I didn't even consider uh, upgrading phone this year is probably a testament to how much work they've done with improving the performance, uh, particularly on those old devices with iOS 12. Apple will be so happy to hear that, that you decided not to get a new phone because of all the effort they put into iOS 12. <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> yep. so that was uh, our brief overview. And what, what do you want to go into more detail? Shortcuts. I really want to use this. I've been... Zach, you listened to Cortex, right? I did. They spoke a lot about shortcuts. I think, Kai, you haven't listened to it yet, so I can just summarize that um, if anyone has listened to the uh, the podcast called Shortcuts, you will know that both... Um, no, not if anyone else has listened to the podcast Cortex, they will know that uh, both uh, CGP Grey and uh, Mike Hurley are very into um, the previous... Um, what was the previous app? It wasn't Shortcuts. Workflow. workflow. Yeah, they were very into workflow. Um, and they have now been very happy to jump onto Shortcuts now when Stats was introduced. Um, and I listened to this and they uh, specifically, uh, Gray was talking about a few different shortcuts that he had, that he had implemented, that he's using every day. And he showed like his whole home screen. Um, and his home screen was basically full with shortcuts. Um and it seemed like, I don't know if he said this or if it just made me think about this. It felt like um, shortcuts could really provide you with a different, I feel like starting, if you start to use shortcuts, it's really going to be a new way of thinking about how you use your phone. So instead of having the most used apps on your home screen, you could potentially have the used, most used actions. I don't think you should think about um like what app to use or like what, what to do on your phone in terms of apps necessarily, you can think about it in terms of actions. Um, so he had some really good examples of what he was doing. He had some like OmniFocus uh, shortcuts that he had. And he also had like, a, um, he did have a um, notes app. I don't remember. I don't think he actually specified which notes app he was using, but there was a notes app where he could specifically directly add notes to his like podcast folder. So if there was something he wanted to talk about on Cortex, he could directly add that quickly from the home screen. Um, and that made me really excited. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. I should really start using shortcuts. These guys have been talking about it for a long time. And I think it will really, like in general, I'm really interested in like productivity and making my like usage of those devices uh, as smooth as possible and as quick as possible. So I thought this is perfect for me. But for some reason, I just have never been hooked on it and I wasn't sure why uh, until I listened to this podcast and I felt like when they spoke about it I was like okay I'm really gonna go for it and I'm really excited and this makes so much sense and I had a few ideas and then I went in to add my shortcuts and I was like oh this one shortcut I was really excited about doesn't work um, so I was a bit discouraged as soon as I went into went into the app what did you try to do uh, so we will get into this later, I think, because I think Zach has more experience implementing shortcuts. I want to get your take on this. Uh, but it was basically um, similar to how Gray had different notes. Um, I have I have different folders in my like notes app. Uh, so I have folders for like podcasts or folders for like general notes. And sometimes I want to write something down quickly. And sometimes. I just feel like if I would go into the notes app and then select a specific folder and then create a new note, I might have forgotten what I wanted to write before I actually write it down. 
So I wanted to have a shortcut so that I directly can go into a specific folder in Notes and just write it down. But it just felt like this wasn't really possible. So I was like, okay, I guess this this is because this is a limitation on the on the Notes app. So I think it's just something that Notes doesn't provide me with. So I went on to the next thing that I wanted to do. And I don't remember what the next thing was. I think I wanted to... Oh, what was it? I had a few different shortcuts I was excited about adding. So I started to write the next one. And it... Again, didn't really make sense. And I just, and then I kept on looking a bit more because I haven't used this app before. I haven't used shortcuts to create things. Um, and I looked and it just felt like there was a general lack of support for shortcuts. And the ones that were there were very action focused. So there were some podcasting apps where there were, for example, um, like turn on smart speed or, um, play, uh, play this specific episode. Uh, but it felt like those were things that you should more use, uh, with Siri on shortcuts and felt like they were very specific. Was I wanted something more like, I guess, a workflow. And I will continue looking more and more into this. And I really want to use shortcuts because I think it makes sense. But in general, I did notice that it feels like there aren't that much, there isn't that much third party support. And I also am concerned. I feel like it might just be a matter of that people in general don't know what they want to use shortcuts for and it might just be that developers don't really know what the what 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 the end user wants it for many developers might develop it for a uh, series port and i think that makes sense because like then you can use it on the home pod and uh, i think adding series support is something that apple have been pushing but i think for the sake of having a workflow there weren't that many shortcuts that i felt were useful at the moment i agree with basically everything you've just said i have really mixed feelings about shortcuts um and again, part of the confusion is because there is a difference between shortcuts the app and shortcuts from third-party apps. But again, it's really hard to make that distinction uh, when talking about it. Um, but I would generally agree that the shortcuts app is not particularly useful. And I was listening to the Cortex episode uh, and I, I really enjoyed the discussion. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and there's no doubt that both Mike and especially Gray are shortcuts power users. Uh, that type of, of going to that amount of effort to have a shortcut to fit your workflow or to have multiple shortcuts that fit your workflow. So it's a lot of effort and it doesn't quite feel like it's super productive. I'm all, almost wondering if Gray spent more time creating all of these uh, than he will get back uh, by using them if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I I do agree. I felt like I almost have to spend like half a day in actually in order to actually finish all of the shortcuts I want to do. And I took almost like a programmatic approach to it. So I started doing like, okay, this is the end goal I want to do. And then I was like, which different pieces do I have for this? And what can I sort of put there later? So I started doing more of a progressive shortcut development. So it was like, in the end, I would like to like I have this, I have this end goal of what action I want to perform, but I felt like shortcuts was lacking in that, so I was taking a step back and just doing like a small mini shortcut for it, and then I kept on adding on it. But in the end, it wasn't really what I wanted it to be, and I felt like if I would develop it myself, I could just implement it. And I felt like I know exactly what I want this to do, and I want I know which variables I would care about in order for this shortcut to work, but it was just not available for me. In that sense, it does feel. Uh, still quite limited. And I think you mentioned earlier that there's 
not a huge amount of third-party app support. And even if there is a lot of the things you might want to do with a more complex workflow can't actually be achieved. Um, and I think that part is really interesting. And I mean, there's, I've got a few other concerns with using shortcuts so extensively. Uh, one of them is it gets really difficult to maintain. So there's no foldering system within the app. There's no real way to organize them other than to control the order. Um, otherwise, you know, if you're a, a shortcuts power user and you have a hundred shortcuts, you just have to scroll through them each time until you find the one you want um, or, or run it via Siri and hope that you remember the phrase you've assigned to it. Uh, but it does feel limited in that sense. Um, and I, I really think that the best use of shortcuts is just the ones that the system is suggesting to you. Uh, as as you use it. So like iOS has it in the Siri page and watchOS has it on the Siri watch face, which, you know, occasionally they're useful. And I think that they're, they're more often than not, the suggestions I'm getting are relevant. I think they're really good. Um, but trying to navigate the shortcuts app and build all that, it just feels really unproductive. Um, and that's not to discredit the work that anyone's doing with shortcuts. I think it's really cool to see how much can be done if you are willing to put in the effort. Um, but I think at this point, it's not something that it's definitely not something most people would be willing to put the effort in um, for. And I know I'm definitely not willing to do that. Uh, I like to get work done on a Mac and I feel more productive on a Mac anyway. Um, so if I was to invest that time, it, it would almost feel wasted. Um, but I did want to uh, touch on your point about the notes document uh, thing that, so, the, it is possible to open to a specific note with a Siri shortcut. Uh, they just don't make it very discoverable. But would it have to have been the note that was already created then? Or can you create yes. a new note? Yeah, because I did no. see some where I had, like, I basically had old written notes and suggested to open these particular notes. Yeah. But I would have had, for example, with podcasts, that would mean that before I have an idea of what I want to talk about in episode seven, I have to have a note called episode Oh, sorry, episode 17. Then I would have to have a note called episode 17 and then specifically create a shortcut to write in episode 17. Yep. And that part <laughs> is where everything falls down because that's a lot of work to save maybe five seconds three times over yeah. the course of a week. I guess what you can do is to just be less organized and not have it by episode and just have a podcast sort of document where you just dump notes into but that's not really then you lose some of the organization i think people who have folders and subfolders in their notes are not happy with just adding everything to one document in the end yeah definitely agree and i think in that episode gray mentioned he's using a third party app i think bear was mentioned i don't know if that's the one he's using um but i guess third party apps might have better support for shortcuts but even if even if you could say create a new note uh it, you couldn't name the note with the Siri shortcut, you would have to go in and edit that later okay. uh, just because the shortcut can't take uh, any any parameters. I'm looking at my suggestions, for, like the Siri shortcut suggestions for the Notes app uh, that the Shortcuts app is giving me. And it's got a, one of the suggestions is create a new note called, and then it's got the title of the last created note. And I'm wondering why would I want to create a note with the same name? Like it's a name that I've I've already made a note with that same name. Why would I want to do that again? It almost doesn't feel like a relevant shortcut. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe if you had a shortcut to create a new note with 
uh, a specific title that could work. So like, I don't know if the, say the title was the date and time that mm-hmm. you created it. Um, you might be able to do something like that. Uh, but again, I don't know how that goes with uh, where it files it. Does it just file it in the general like all notes um, folder that you've got there? Or I don't think you're able to specify yeah. a, uh, a folder to put that note in. I could be wrong there. In order to have it as a folder, you would have to basically um, allow for variables to be provided to when, when you create the shortcuts. And they also have to be flexible so that if I add a new folder, it has to pick up this as a potential variable, right? Yeah, that's right. So it would have to be sort of dynamic variables, but it, they shouldn't be user inputted. They should actually be selectable. Yeah. And yeah. that's not really... In this case, that's not really a valid solution. Uh, I did want to mention that there is a way, technically, to provide input to a shortcut, and that is using the clipboard. So if you uh, were prepared enough, I don't think it would work in this notes example, but if you had a shortcut that you wanted uh, to input some data to, uh, a potential way to do that would be to copy something to your clipboard, whatever relevant data that might be, run the shortcut, have it read from the clipboard, do whatever it needs to do with the data, and then do its thing. There's also one thing called ask for input. Have you seen this? Yes. So basically what ask for input does is if I have a shortcut to send a message to Zach, um, it will first, if I I run this, I can also add ask for input before that. So uh, I run it and then it um, asks me what do you like. I add a question saying what you want to say to Zach and then I type it and then that automatically puts it into the message. So maybe you could do something like that uh, with notes or with a note app uh, where it just asks you for an input. Um, but then the problem would be that you don't have... I think the the main problem is that you don't have a specific folder that you want to do it in. So you could get input, but then you would lack the title and you would also lack the information about which folder to add it to. Yeah. But also, you can't do that from Siri itself. You would have to open the Shortcuts app and run that. Or if you did run it via Siri, would it open the Shortcuts app? I'm not 100% sure about that, but it might do that. And at that point, it's probably just quicker to open the Notes app and create a new note. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, I've, I really like Shortcuts, and I feel like I'm being negative here, but I think Shortcuts, the app, isn't the most useful, at least in its current form. Uh, but I do think that that Siri shortcuts can be quite useful, and there are there are some good ones that I am using uh, yeah. and quite like there. I guess I personally don't use Siri that much. I don't know. Like I, I just never got used to it. But maybe that's the way to go. That I have to start using Siri more, and then I can use more like smaller shortcuts. But it's not really what I want. I want it to be more of a flow. Um, like Gray, he said that he added it to the home screen, and then you can directly trigger a type of flow from your home screen. So that's more what I want to do. Uh, but as you say, like it feels like it just requires so much effort and I'm not sure if it's going to be worth it. And But I do think once there are more developers that actually start adding shortcuts, it might be something more useful. But I also think we have to, we or as a community or Apple has to clarify what people use those shortcuts for and specifically like... Um, maybe maybe promote a bit more like those those type of workflows on the home screen and i think hopefully that will encourage those type of shortcut building blocks to exist but at the moment i don't feel like everything is there for me um in order to to make the make the type of flow that i want but i also think it might be uh 
worthwhile to hold off on that for for a year because we did have rumors for a major springboard redesign for iOS 12 and then uh, something that that was postponed for a year to focus on stability and speed stuff. Um, So I wouldn't be super surprised if, if there is ever a larger springboard redesign to then also make it easier to surface those kind of things. Um, and make it more, I mean, I, I didn't listen to the Cortex episode, but just thinking about how to structure that, it seems like a lot of hacks to put together to make it work. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I, I think um, if if you currently potentially don't see a lot of value for it, holding off for a while has two benefits. First of all, we might see it in more apps. So you have a wider portfolio of apps that support it. And second of all, uh, maybe the Springboard redesign will also uh, allow us for a bit more uh, flexibility on our home screens. Because, I mean, uh, Springboard has been what it is for quite a long time. And it's been... uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see over the next year or two uh, to make Springboard a bit more dynamic and a bit more uh, flexible in what you have there. And maybe that kind of pulls it together because um, if it was actually planned for 12, it would kind of all go quite nicely hand in hand, I think, with a lot of the um, uh, Siri or the suggested uh, shortcuts, rather, um, if those would be more surfaced on, on your on your home screen. So if if that now comes a year later, I think that might be the the missing piece for it to be more useful for you. I think that the app has to get more useful as well. It has to be able to do more things. Uh, basic things like input need to need to happen. Uh, other things such as when running, uh, when you know bouncing between apps uh, using URL schemes, not hitting Safari each time would also be a huge improvement because that just slows you down. Um, it's more animation, it's more clunkiness. It doesn't yeah. feel as natural. That's something that Gray specifically mentioned that it has. Yep. he's been running into. If, if he has a limit on how much time he should use uh, Safari during the day uh, and a shortcut actually bounces you to Safari to use the URL, then that's going to be problematic because it's going to ask you for permission or ask you to break your time limit, basically. And that's what I mean yep. with a pile of hacks. Exactly. No, hundred percent. It's. I I have I have only created one shortcut um, called Air Power, and it goes like this. Could you hear that? Yes, the charging sound. What are you using this shortcut for? Um, Because with this shortcut, you can actually play sounds in any directory in your uh, file system. So there is, uh, in UI sounds, there is, I think it's called Engage Power. Uh, Engage Power. I think that's the name of the file. Let me, yeah, engagepower.caf. And um, so there's still remains of air power in, in the system. So I'm still holding on to air power. I have one that, um, this is really dumb, but you know, the, uh, the, spongebob themed text where every second letter is capitalized oh is that how you send us uh you send us a group message where you capitalized every second letter probably i was like oh that's Uh, annoying okay yeah (laughs) it takes clipboard contents i say hey siri spongebob and then it (laughs) replaces my clipboard with that text uh in that 
casing. And that's a, this is an inbuilt feature. Like it has, you can change the casing on text, and that is one of the ones. Uh, and that's that's quite useful. Um, <laughs> it can be a bit funny sometimes. Uh, but other than that, like there's no genuinely. I, I feel better now knowing that you didn't waste your time actually capitalizing every second uh, letter manually. Oh gosh, no. But apart from that, <laughs> still don't really get the point. <laughs> I do have a couple for updating uh, my Slack status. So when I'm going to uni i can say hey siri heading to uni and it updates my uh slack status it's just a simple api of like a post request i think um and my slack status is a pile of books with the word uni which is quite handy and then i have a nice. another one to clear that i know i've seen you do that and i was like wow he put so much effort into telling people where he is. <laughs> oh no, that, that makes sense can you trigger that based on location no you can't so actually technically yes if you use launch sensor pro there is a way where it can run a shortcut that detects your location, but you still have to do some kind of approval or like hit an okay or yes button to say, I want to run this. So it kind of defeats the purpose. Uh, But that would be really useful. Could this be something that's suggested? Could it be like surfaced and suggested in the Siri watch face? Siri watch face, I'm not sure about. Because um, if you have a shortcut that location dependent, it would be cool if Siri is like, hey, it looks like you're heading here. Do you want to do the shortcut? Mm-hmm. It's actually a really good point that I hadn't considered because third-party apps show up there and third-party apps show up in suggestions, but I haven't had any uh, shortcuts created in the shortcuts app that show up on the watch or iOS. I'm not saying they don't do that, but I just haven't seen that. But it could be quite useful, actually, if it did. But yeah, overall, I would really like to use shortcuts. And I know that Kai said that maybe we should hold off, but I also think this is a very dangerous thing to say because I think if we are not using shortcuts, third-party developers are not necessarily going to start using or implementing shortcuts. And then shortcuts might not be seen as being as popular and shortcuts will go away. So we're not going to end up getting what we want. So it is important that we sort of try to experiment with those things. And I definitely going to keep on looking back and looking for new shortcuts as they come out and try to experiment with this, because I think it's a cool way of using your device. So I really hope it's something that's not going away and that's more and more supported. But yeah, I think it's something that has to be a bit more finalized and a bit more communicated uh, by Apple on like how, how this should actually be used and how it's, it should also be something that's a bit more publicly available. I think at the moment it's just uh, like very um, like power, sort of like iOS power users that are ending up using this. And I think it would be great if this, if there's actually an ad uh, by Apple showing people using the shortcuts app or showing people using something like a shortcut when they're leaving work or something. Um, so I've, I'm really hoping this will be continue being pushed. I don't know. For me, it's more that I'm now not trying to find reasons to use shortcuts. But if there's something that I run into that I want to solve, then maybe defaulting to shortcuts to potentially solve that. But so far, I just didn't run into anything that I thought um, shortcuts would help me for. But I, I don't really... I don't know. I don't feel... I, I should try to find use cases for, for certain parts of technology. If if I just can't think of anything or if, if, if I don't have a problem to solve, I won't be excited enough to then do something with it. Always for me needs to be a problem first that I then try to solve. And understand maybe it goes away if no one is using it, but it seems like some people get a lot of use up out of it and really enjoy it. And that's good. But if the majority of people do not, then 
I don't know if it makes. But it's not about that though. It's more about like, um, it's it's not about finding. It's not about the user f- having a lack of something or the user needing something. It's more about making it easier for a user. It's like before the smartphone was available, people didn't really see a use case of a smartphone. Or before you have, when you had a horse, people didn't really see the use case of a car. And I think it's quite important to actually surface those things to actually show people that, look, you can use, like right now, you're not using your device in the most intelligent way or in the most efficient way. I think this can potentially be a different way of using a phone. But that's very different, right? It's like, uh, it would be more like, look, horses suck. Go and build yourself a car. I mean, I don't think a car would have been popular if 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 I only shipped you all the parts and you have to put it back together yourself. I I mean, it works for IKEA, so maybe I'm wrong. But in general, I feel like um, that's my problem with shortcuts. I feel like I for for all the things that I can see using it. It either doesn't work yet, like automatically triggering things on location. I thought that makes a lot of sense. So whenever I leave the house, do a whole bunch of things. That would make sense to me, but it's not possible. And therefore, I'm not using it for that. Or um, it is just, I, I feel like I wouldn't recoup the time I say, like it would be such a small task that might be nice, but I wouldn't recoup it over over my lifetime. Or it's something where I think I should rather make a proper app to solve this problem. But I feel like for me personally, I don't really have, at least as of now, anything that fits the space of, I think it is tremendously valuable. I think I don't have to invest a lot of time, but it would save me a lot of time or make, I don't know, my iOS experience a lot more pleasant. But it's way shorter for me or quicker or better for me to build it in shortcuts in the shortcuts app than building it in Xcode. I, I just that didn't come to me yet. It might might later, but as of now I feel like I don't think people will all jump to building custom uh workflows to um for the IRS, and if there is something that is becoming super popular and a lot of people need solved, then I think it should move into a system feature. And I think that's when a lot of people will use it. I don't think... And the lack of advertisement on Apple's side also indicates that Apple probably didn't expect themselves for this to be a, a huge, uh, wide audience, mainstream iPhone user feature. It is for some people that want to use it, and they can do it and people like Vitici and Gray and and Mike they seem to get a lot of value out of it they seem to do a lot more of their work or their kind of things they want to do on iOS and their work bridges around things that currently do not easily work on iOS but they also seem to be more deliberately not using a Mac because they rather use iOS and because I'm not in that in that situation where I don't want to use a Mac for iOS, I feel like for me, those kind of things are even more limited. And I think it's good to have that bridge, right? Because iOS is just getting more popular. iOS is just going to be get more focus and more advancements uh, compared to a Mac. It seems, at least it seems that way. And being able to bridge that gap for now until iOS is at a point where where it can do that out of the box is, is good and nice and helps those kind of power users. But I'm just not in the iOS 
power user enough because I use my Mac for most of the power user type of things. It's not necessarily about using it instead of instead of your Mac, though. I think an example that Gray had was um, Maps, for example. Uh, he sometimes uses different different type of map apps uh, when he wanted to get directions somewhere. And I think that's some, just a matter of like making it easier to open the app you want to use at the point. And I could imagine I sometimes use something like Tripco and sometimes I use, um, what's the other app called? Transit? No. Oh. We have it on our list. City Mapper? Yeah. So I sometimes use Tripco and I sometimes use CityMapper. Um, and I felt like it would be great if I could have a shortcut um, where I first get, um, where, where I trigger it and then I get a question, which one would you want to use this time? And then I get to choose it from there instead of having to like go into a folder or search for the app and um, like j- just get that right right there because it is a decision I want to make. And I but think- then I see more, why, why, why do you use multiple I knew you would ask this question. I think that's not really the purpose of this conversation. I think the <laughs> point is just that this is nothing you would do on your Mac. This is something you want to do on your phone. And if you can make take that sort of um, extra step away, or if you can if you can just make that decision more deliberate by asking that question, I think it makes it a lot more um, like simpler to use, and it makes that flow quicker. That actually, for me, is less of an argument than I. I th- I see more the argument of having things more action-based. So I don't know, you want to have on your home screen the action for getting home and based on where you are, how far you away you are from home and time of day and those kind of things give you what you're after at that point in time. So I don't know, you're uh, 600 kilometers away and you clearly drove that way. Then if you say, get me home, it's, I don't know, spinning up ways with driving navigations back home. But if you went to work and you walked there then give you i don't know uh, apple maps walking directions and if it's kind of more of a bus trip then give you city mappers transit directions that i would see because that's an action i want to get home and you know how i get away from home so you figure out how to get back or at least your your best guess at it that one i i would see and i think that would be something that might be a nice thing and something that's possible but having every time i want to open maps something spin up do you mean any of those five maps apps i'm like i think then you have a different issue of why do you have five maps map apps and if you want to optimize your workflow to a point where where things like where you want to save the extra second of searching for it maybe get rid of all this redundancy of of apps that do similar things or just pick deliberately the one you want like i don't know if you have apple maps and google maps and you default to apple maps but if it fails you for some reason or the location it suggests might not be right and you then want to use google maps then then you would do that after another anyway I, i wouldn't really see a situation where i'm like i want maps and then I get the question, which one, Apple Maps or Google Maps? I'm like, this is a coffee place. I always use coffee places with Google Maps. It, it just feels like not a scenario that I would see for myself to make sense. I do, though. And by the time you make that selection, you could have pulled down the spotlight thing, searched G and pressed Google Maps. Exactly. Okay, it was a terrible example. Um, no, no, it wasn't a bad example, but it's more just that example has some... Uh, no, no, I do like Kai's example better, but this is still an argument of why you don't have to be an iOS power user. You can just be a user of iOS and you just want to get home as quick as possible. Um, I do think the reason 
just to defend my example, it's just that I feel like sometimes I might, for example, if I look for a coffee shop, I would prefer to use Google Maps because I might want to see more pictures of the place or more ratings of the place. Uh, or I might want to, I might consider walking to a place, but I also want to get the public transport. And I found Google to have better public transport than I specifically want Google, uh, Google Maps to be open. And I think sometimes I'm just, I think it's not a matter of like making it easier for myself. It's more a matter of using less real estate for this. For, so for at the, mo- at the moment, uh, I would have both Google Maps and Apple Maps on my home screen. But if I have a shortcut for this, I can have a shortcut on my home screen, which then asks which app, instead of having to occupy two spots on my home screen. But I think that's also, I use iOS very differently. I don't really care. They're mostly only the dog is what I care about location. Uh, like the only place where I care about the location of an app is the dog and at most the first page of the home sc- uh, of, of Springboard. But everything else just goes by search. And I don't know if that comes from me using a Mac for a long time and there it would always be that I hit uh, command space and back before uh, uh, Spotlight was as good as it was as it is now. I, I used um, Quicksilver and, and LaunchBar and I think, um, yeah, Quicksilver, then LaunchBar and now Alfred. That's just how I always open things and that wasn't really... The iOS devices weren't quick enough to do that reliably for for a long time, but now we're at a point where that works, and I like that a lot. And I do that now on my um, on my phone as well. And I feel like that's that to me makes a lot more sense because you don't really have to be that sparse with your real estate if you know what you're after anyway. If you know you want Google Maps, search for Google Maps, and you you're right there. I I know where you're coming from. I just feel like, to me, the, all those things, I already have patterns that work really well for me that have nothing to do with putting extra work in. They are just already solved problems that I don't need to solve in another way now that is feeling slightly janky. Or it also means every time I open a map app, I now have first, what was it? A blank screen of Safari? And then a map selection of of which maps app that that just seems more hassle to me than it means more fluid or streamlined. Okay, uh, it was not a great example. Let's <laughs> let's, let's move on. Um, I do still. My argument was just that I think you don't have to be an uh, iOS power user for this. I think it's just a matter of finding a different way of using your device that can actually be a lot more efficient for you, and it can actually. Um, lead you to like actually spend less time staring at your screen, especially with things that combine different um, different type of um, application usage. So, for example, if I'm on my way, uh, the, the, a good example for that is if I'm on my way home and I want to start a podcast and I also want to send a message to someone saying I'm on my way home uh, and I want to open navigation. Doing all that in one step is really going to reduce my screen time. And I think something like that could be quite valuable. And I think this is a beneficial this this is a good new direction of using your smartphones and it's 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 a like dare i say smarter way of using them and i think it would be great if this is something that's being more pushed but i think apple has probably deliberately decided to not push it yet but i'm hoping that it's something that can be more of a, a something that more people are starting to see a use case for and i i do agree it does 
seem like nice if you always leave home and you always do the same things. Well, well, uh, every time you leave a place, you kind of do the same things. It's nice. Sure, if you always know you do the same three steps every time you leave the office, build a shortcut that does all those three steps in once. Um, and sure, I, I can see that. I still think that's a power user thing. I don't think you would see random iOS users on the streets building shortcuts because they don't want to have to send a message uh, I'm on my way home and start a podcast. Yeah, but potentially this could be something like, you know, when you're in the Apple store and you pick up your phone, they are like, oh, do you want us to help you set this up today? And we usually are like, no, we are pro users. We do it at home. But usually I think other people would be like, yeah, can you please help me with this? They unbox it in the store and the person at the Apple store is helping them set up their phone from scratch. And it would be cool. And then they ask, what are the three tasks you do when you're leaving your office? <laughs> No, uh, no, I know you're joking, but I think honestly, that could be something. Like, they have those sessions on like how to use photos. This could be like a mini session that you get when you set up your phone. Hey, I see that you're using Waze. Do you want to use, like, is this something you're interested in, like, using when you're on your way to work? And then you just show them, this is how you set up a shortcut. And the people are like, yay, neat. I'm going to do this on my free time. No, Poten but I this think this could potentially happen. I think what would happen is people go home and say, I bought an iPhone because everyone told me it's so easy to to use and look at all the stuff the, the guy showed me or girl while, while uh, setting up my phone and there are all those weird steps and now when I hit play random things happen and I don't really get it I don't think people will be like I bought my first iPhone I wonder when, what a smartphone wait, is like wait a second do you know what would actually happen no one would know shortcuts exists it's not <laughs> installed on iOS by default no one knows it exists I, there are three other people in my house right now, Eric, and if I went out and asked any, any of them what a shortcut is or what shortcuts the app is, they would have no clue. It's, I think that's very telling that it's not installed on iOS by default. It is a third-party download from the App Store. They don't intend this for this to be mainstream. And I think that's the right choice. I feel like I agree. Oh, I, I think I that agree. would be really confusing for, for a lot of people. And the people who don't think it's confusing are power users and they but find it, it and they use it. But it's like telling people, oh, don't worry about learning how the internet works. You don't need internet. You have a newspaper. Like, I think you need to educate the general population of how technology works in but order to make people more efficient. Sure. How technology but it's GUI works, versus I, command line, right? Exactly. It's like, here you go. You should learn how a computer works a unix shell now it's install not, yourself uh, it's, it's not though it's like it, it's i i would almost compare it to like the um the playgrounds um teaching of programming compared to xcode so a way of making more and more people interested in programming is to do it through like a friendly user interface where there are building blocks uh, which is something like playgrounds and i think uh, playgrounds on the iPad is sort of a good introduction to that and it makes it easier for everyone to learn programming and this is similar you don't have to open a command line you have your building blocks and if you have default shortcuts you can use them and if otherwise you can just the people in the store can show you how to tweak them but I, I agree with that but I don't think if everyone that buys an iPhone now gets a session on programming that wouldn't be the right call either but that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying people are interested. It would be great if Apple sort of start to show this. And I mean, I, Apple I agree. If people, if people are interested and they have things to do, sure, it would be great to help them. But I just think... 
But they don't a lot know. of people don't want to use technology that way. I feel surely you do, and probably a lot of people that would listen to this, and Zach does. We we all are interested in technology for technology's sake. But I think a lot of people want technology not to get in their way. And a lot of people learned how to use iOS, and iOS has specific things at how it does, and then you get better at it, and then you're comfortable with iOS. But I think there's still a big gap between... I think everyone should be comfortable with operating systems they're using day-to-day, but there's still a gap to a power user, and there are, it is kind of self-selecting. I don't think everyone needs to be a power user, and I think then we're kind of failing at technology when we require everyone to be a power user. I don't think we should shield people from that, and I don't think we should make it more difficult than necessary and i do think shortcuts makes it easier than programming would have and i think uh gray and mike are probably good examples they didn't they thought programming was not for them but shortcuts is so it's clearly more approachable than programming is despite me thinking that both of them could also learn programming um but it is definitely more approachable but i think there's still a significant step between people barely or getting comfortable with the operating system and the features it has to then developing and thinking about additional things to because you increase productivity i think a lot of people don't think of their phones as a productivity tool they're thinking of their their phones as a thing to make phone calls text messages and use the two apps they're using most I just don't think people will be like, well, I will I will optimize the hell out of my Facebook status uh, updates. No, but this is sort of, I, I think another thing that happened in more recent days is smart homes or uh, like smart bulbs. I think this is something that people who are not necessarily programmers starts to be interested in. I think I have people in my family who are not like from a technical background, um, but, but they are very interested in uh, like automating their home or they're very interested in um just just like setting mo- moods in their but, in their but homes don't make it sound like i want to w- i'm saying everyone is dumb and no one should <laughs> it, it sounds a bit like oh not, let's, let's just keep them on that level it's not like, it's, i know that's just, not what you mean but i think it's i just, don't see why we shouldn't encourage people to i, I think we can do that but i think it's self-selecting i don't think everyone should now learn shortcuts i feel like people that have an interest in it and everyone sh- I, I i agree you should be exposed to something of it because then you can decide if that's something that seems too complicated and cumbersome or something you're interested about. Um, but I don't think that means now everyone that buys a phone in the Apple store should get get coaching on shortcuts because that will just make the phone look really complicated. And a lot of what Apple does is making it easy. And that's not because everyone is dumb and people are idiots and Apple's optimizing for idiot users that all suck. <laughs> Apple's making it as easy as possible for for increasing the 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 audience that can use a phone and can get things done. And I think that that kind of makes a difference on whether you try to make something easy and approachable. And then discoverable, where you can get deeper and deeper into things if you care. But doesn't mean you should now throw everyone into it no, to a level that that they might not care about. I, I feel like it's it's self-selecting. And sure, I think exposure is a problem with that. And at the moment, shortcuts isn't exposed. I wouldn't. I don't even know if if that's what you should expose people to, because then maybe if people are inclined to shortcuts, I think they might also be inclined to to programming and that might be more useful skill to learn but might be a good start maybe 
playgrounds is a good start. I just think not every person in the world needs to know everything about shortcuts. That's not really not what I'm saying. And like I said, smart homes, again, it's nothing that everyone's using. But people who are not necessarily programmers or technical are very interested in using smart, smart home features. And I think something like that would be quite... Um, like It's on that level. Like you said, Kai, you think it would be good if people learn it on a basic level and then dig deeper and deeper into it if they want. But I think at the moment, it's just not like people, like you said, Zach, people would not have heard of what Shortcuts is and that's a problem and it's not going to make it, it thrive. I think you, you could at least have it. It shouldn't be one of those annoying apps that's always on your phone, but it could be something that's at least being expressed or explained a bit more. But you spend a week trying to figure out what shortcut to build and no, you as a programmer I couldn't didn't. figure out a single thing. No, I didn't spend that much time <laughs> and I couldn't figure out a single thing. Now you continue building. I, I'm, I'm not saying you couldn't figure out how to do it. I just say you couldn't figure out a good use case of it. And I see even home automation has multiple steps. Some people want a light bulb that it turns on when you come home uh, no, first, some people want a light bulb that you can say, hey, light bulb, turn on, and it turns on. Then there are people that want it to turn on when they come home after sunset. And then there are some people that want to turn on in specific scenes and modes. And then there are people that want to combine it with vacuum cleaner schedules and how many people are at home at once and is it full moon or not. But I feel like there are steps. And I feel like the step between a a casual iPhone user that chooses iOS as a simple tool to, to do what they want to do, to shortcuts is a bigger step than, than you make it sound. But a shortcut to a normal person is the little thing that appears on their lock screen or on their search in the search page that allows them to do one thing. And it saves time. It absolutely does. But it's not a chain of actions. And I think that's I the type of shortcut that Apple are pushing for the mainstream users. That's what they're promoting third-party apps for. I mean, third-party apps have gotten a lot more promotion for those kind of shortcuts than any kind of app that's useful in a chain of shortcuts. I, I really think that shortcuts remains power user feature, uh, whereas the like shortcuts, the app, sorry, remains power user, while it, shortcuts as suggestions remain what most people are going to use 90% of the time. And that's the exposure part, right? That's the yeah, exposure yeah. You part. Start so to you're get, getting exposed you have that to settings yeah. thing. This is exactly you have the Siri and search page. And you see them all there and you start to think, oh, maybe what can I do with these? What can I do? Uh, how can I do more with these? And then that's where you, you might end up down the rabbit hole of shortcuts. But it's almost like uh, Apple shipping uh, iMovie in macOS and shipping Final Cut Pro on the Mac App Store. It's like Final Cut Pro isn't for everyone. Uh, iMovie is enough for most people who just want to create, uh, put a few clips together and create a home movie. If you are a power user, you're going to be inclined to research what are my other options. You stumble across Final Cut Pro and then you download it. And it's almost like shortcuts as suggestions are built in. They're there. You start seeing them. You start using them. You you say you do one action at a time. You save a few seconds here, a few seconds there. Then if you're interested in doing more, you can you know do a bit more research, stumble across shortcuts, the app, download it and go from there. Yeah, I, and I guess that's the type of exposure I want, but I just want to, I want to reduce the step between the uh, sort of small actionable shortcuts that are being suggested. I don't remember what word you use, Zach. Um, suggestion? Yeah, suggestions. Yeah, they're suggestions. Yeah, so I would like the gap between suggestions and the actual use of the shortcut app to be smaller. And I think there is something for, that's a space where Apple could probably... Get some, put some more education in in order to get people across that 
I guess that's everything. That's that's the only thing I want because I think that would encourage third party developer to also add shortcuts. It's definitely a good start to have um, shortcuts on a like uh, actionable action level. But I think the next thing from developers should be to make it into more of a workflow. And I think it would be great if uh, if that's something that we see in the future. But I think in order to do that, you need to have a bit more popularity in it. And I can imagine for it to be worth it for developers, you might need more of a push in that direction. Um, but it, it has to start somewhere. And I think it's iOS good. would be a better operating system if you have to build everything yourself. I, I feel like this is more, to me, this is more of a bridge to from where we are. And some people start using iOS exclusively to, to maybe two years from now where iOS isn't a place where most people can use it exclusively. Maybe three years, maybe four years, whatever the time frame might be. But I don't think we should really be in a place where everyone needs to build their own. Like how many Mac users build their own uh, automated workflows? Not a lot. Some of them do and they really like it and it's good for them to have it there. But I don't think a Mac would have been as popular uh, 10 years ago if you would need to expose yourself to automator and build a lot of things yourself. I feel like this is a thing, again, for power users that want to add add to what they already know and they stumble upon it and then they want to automate stuff and it's kind of like self-selecting people that have a need for it try to f- solve that that requirement and then kind of get into it but it shouldn't be a part where, where everyone is, needs to build their own blocks for that yeah and i don't think you have to be in uh, you not specifically but you the collective you have to be an evangelist for shortcuts just because you're an iOS power user. Um, if you if you happen to have a need for something that can be solved with a shortcut, then that's great. Go ahead and build it. But I also think that a lot of people are spending time looking for shortcuts that they can create only to find there's not much for them. And then it's like, well, you just wasted a few hours trying to do something that will save you five seconds once a week. And really, that's not a position you want to be in. It's it's almost like short, uh, keyboard shortcuts on the Mac. Uh, I know when I'm getting used to a new application, I won't learn the short, uh, keyboard shortcuts for a while. And then I will get a feel for what actions I'm doing repeatedly. And then it's like, oh, right, there might be a keyboard shortcut for that that I can learn. But I'm not going to download an app, start using it and go, okay, what are all these keyboard shortcuts? I need to know them all from the beginning. And it's not quite a perfect analogy, but it's almost that the, the need for it sort of demonstrates a need for a shortcut. Are you doing something constantly? Would uh, automating this save time? If both of those are true, then you might want to look into creating a shortcut. Otherwise, you probably don't need a shortcut. And the way I'm feeling at the moment, honestly, like 99.9% of the things I do on my phone, I don't need a shortcut for. So. Yeah. I, I, I actually like the keyboard shortcut one because it is. Uh, I don't know, but I've run through that multiple times with uh, friends and family members that might be less technically inclined that I show them show them a new thing and I blow through everything with, with shortcuts and they barely see what happened and I try to teach all the all the keyboard shortcuts and I'm like but wait how do I actually open a window I'm like oh yeah sorry <laughs> and then I have to kind of slow down and explain how do you actually use this thing first then there's a very long gap for getting comfortable with a thing and then maybe a year later, I see people starting to use one one of the keyboard shortcuts. But I feel like if if you give if you show something like too much complexity at once, the benefit you're getting is that they that no one got anything out of it. 
And I feel like that that would be the case if you sh would show a new uh, new iPhone user uh, the shortcuts app. It's super overwhelming, and now they're confused and don't get even the pleasures of all the nice and simply designed things in iOS. So I, I did want to go back to the point a few minutes ago about people being dumb. And it's, it's got nothing to do with insulting anyone's intelligence or people are not dumb. People want to use their phones. They want to do things with their phones. It's like normal people. Um, I think it's, we, it's we're the weird ones. We're the ones who think about all these possibilities and, you know, shaving a nanosecond off, you know, sending a message every time we do that. And we're the ones who think way too long and hard about these things and try and, you know, get that extra 10% uh, productivity out of these things. It's like, I, I, I often try to put my, uh, I guess, tech uh, obsession into perspective with, uh, and something like a car is a great example. I, I don't like cars. I don't, I don't enjoy driving. I drive because I have to. I live in the suburbs. I have to get places. But I want a car that goes from A to B. I don't really care about the car. Uh, if it does the job, it does the job. And I think that's how most people think about their technology. Or at least that's the impression I get when I talk to non-tech people is that they want their technology to do a, a certain few things. And look, I can be over here seeing the praises of doing something one way and you know doing something 10% faster or you know, using this, a different app to, to boost productivity or whatever, but generally people don't care. And that's, and I don't think that's unreasonable. It's not because people are dumb or unintelligent. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just because people don't care about these things with the level of obsession that we do. It's like, I don't care about cars. And if I had a conversation with a car nut, they might be like, your Camry is a joke. Like, get a better car for half the price or I don't, I don't know, like something like that. Or, you know, if you replace the brakes on this, you'd be able to break 20% fight. Like I don't care about those things. And even if what that person would be saying is true, it doesn't bother me. And I think that's how a lot of people think about this technology. If it works for them, it works for them. But also that person might also say, if you own your car, you should be able to take it apart and put it back together because otherwise you don't know what you're, what you're doing. They might, and I don't. I don't care about that, and I think that it's not unreasonable for somebody to not care about technology, and it's got nothing to do with intelligence or anything like that. It's it's simply just we care way too much. It's not that other people don't care enough. It's we are way too obsessed with this stuff, and that's fine. That's that's what this show is, isn't it? Where we're talking about things that most people don't care about, and a few a few other geeks do, and that's great, and it's a great community, but. Really, it's not a reflection of the real world, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about this, and I, and I try to use the car thing to to put things in perspective when I'm thinking like, why don't people understand what we talk about sometimes? Yeah, but I think that's it is a good point because first of all, good car design means people can use it without having to understand what's happening and without doing a whole bunch of customization. But it also allows for customization for the people that really do want to do that. And I think that that applies to good software design. It should make it usable by people who don't want to know what's going on. But it's nice to have the option to to customize things if if you're so inclined. Um, also, does this mean we... Uh, this is officially our accidental car podcast segment? Oh, no. 
<laughs> reverse ATP. But yeah, I mean, and even with, with the car thing, like I'm happy to pay a mechanic more money so that I don't have to worry about these things. Like sure, someone who knows even a, a basic thing about cars might be like, oh, you know, you can do that yourself in half an hour. It's like, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> it's it's really like, I don't know. That's There's no real point there, but. No, no, no. It, it comes I, down to I, your interest in something, I guess. Yeah, I both agree, and but I also think in general it's good to encourage people to to be curious and to figure out more things. And I mean, it it might be beneficial for you to know more about your car, but you choose to spend your time somewhere else. I do think computers are super super important to basically everyone's life, and therefore it's probably more valuable to know more about it. But to some extent, if if it doesn't, if it's not interesting for you and you don't care, then then focus on the things that that you get enjoyment out of in life. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a basic level of literacy necessary. I mean, even with the car thing, like if you can, you know, change your water, ch- uh, replace the oil, uh, replace a tire, change the oil. Like if you can do those things, you're probably going to be fine almost all of the time. And anything else. You know, you can take the car to a professional and that's fine. Um, so there is, yes, a basic understanding, I guess, required before you're using, uh, while you're using a computer, but, or a phone or whatever it might be, but you don't need to know the ins and outs of how everything works. If you want to, that's great. You can learn. Uh, but I don't think it should be pushed upon everyone to say, you need to know how this works, how, how this system works. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Marlon. We, we just crushed Marlon's spirit. I do see what you mean, but I think I just want to say that I personally struggle in not in taking that step and not caring about everything. I think sometimes I'm like, like if uh, I don't know what example, but like for example, I feel like I always want to try to learn everything myself. Rather than hiring someone for doing something, I would probably rather learn how to change the oil in my car. I don't have a car, um, but I, I do, and I do still agree. There are certain things that I have been deciding to taking a step back from. For example, I don't really care about like different car models but i do overall care about how a car works underneath and i think if i would have some problems with my car i would want to fix them myself or at least understand what is required to fix it so that i can estimate how long time it would take me and whether it's worth me hiring someone to fix it but But i I think think and i think i think it's it's very difficult for me i do see what you mean zach and i do admire when people are able to just I guess take a step back and decide what they want to focus on. But I personally often feel like I'm quite frustrated if I don't understand an area. And I think if there is some knowledge I don't have, I I know I can learn it. And I know, like especially now, it's it is so much information out about how to learn everything or anything you want. Like I could learn like um, rocket science if I want to on my free time and. I think there are certain things that, that that's why I don't really want to encourage people to not look into shortcuts. I want everyone to be curious and stay curious and I want humanity overall to 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 get more knowledge and especially within the technology sector because I think it's very important. And I think I often see many people who are 
older who might have been falling behind and don't understand how to use a smartphone, but they could get so much functionality out of using it. But now they've sort of given up on it. And I don't want people to to be... I want everyone to be encouraged in learning new things. And I, but I do, I do agree with you. It's okay if you don't care. Like you don't, you don't have to care about everything. And people are busy. People can't learn everything in the world. But I think it would still be nice if Apple would at least let people know, Hey, this is a thing. You can learn it if you want to. And I think if you start there, that will make people more interested in technology. And as I said, potentially bridge them to development if they want to do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, but I do think, I think Kai started to mention it earlier, but that is probably an exception, not a rule that, um, you know, it's really great how, you know, curious and, and how much you want to learn about all these things. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's a personality trait of, it's definitely not a personality trait of everyone. And, uh, some, some people prefer to specialize and some people prefer to generalize or, or a mix of the two. But, um, yeah, I don't think that, Everyone needs to to know everything about all the things. But if someone wants to learn, then the tools are available, the resources are there, and they can do just that. But I definitely think you're exceptional. And like even even in our circles, I, I don't see people that are as curious as you are. And I also think shortcuts is the wrong thing to to use as an example for that. I just think shortcuts if if I could pick something that everyone in the world should learn, it should buy, <laughs> shortcuts would be very very low on that list. Yeah, I just don't want to discourage people from learning new things, and I think I do I do agree with you guys. Like you can you can't learn everything, but I just want to bring up that for me it's very hard to tell people not to learn those things because I personally have the attitude that like I want to learn everything and I'm frustrated if I don't understand how something works. And I think it's a topic we will touch on later on. So, um, yeah, that's why I just want to at least mention it now. But uh, it's not an encouragement for everyone to be thinking in that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I, I do think it is, in general, the world is a better place the more people are curious how things work, how to improve them, and how to make make things and make things out of things that you might not understand before. Um, and I don't think at least anything I've said, I didn't mean as a discouragement for people to, to do that. I'm just thinking that there might be either more useful things or if there is something you really want to solve with shortcuts, go ahead. You know, it's it's if that's what you're curious about, I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I'm just saying I'm not as curious or as, at least in the current state, I don't think shortcuts is at a point where I think everyone should learn it. My bullet point says social media use slash Twitter use. This is something we've been talking about extensively in this podcast, and I'm not sure if people get sick of it. Uh, I am. Uh, I just don't really. Thanks for bringing it up then. And this is why I'm not too sure if this will make it in the podcast. I just don't think I'm really struggling right now, and I don't know if this is something I should struggle with. Um, so I went back just to look at Twitter because I wanted to look something specifically up, or um, I I didn't have any ma- any mastodon to do. I just want to kill some time for whatever reason. I went back to look, and I'm using uh, Tweetbot, 
And Tweetbot has a limit of displaying, I think, 1,400 tweets or 1,500. And after that, it basically moves you up the list and you lose information. This is on the iOS client. Um, and when I um, used Twitter probably like two, three months ago, um, the maximum days I could have um, as a backlog of tweets to read was probably three days, and that was stretching it. Usually it was two days of tweets left, and that added up to 1,500 tweets. Um, today, when I opened it, I had nine. I was nine days behind. So that means that in the ni- last nine days, uh, there have been, in my Twitter timeline, 1,500 tweets. And that's significantly lower rate of tweets than what it was two months ago. That isn't necessarily what it means, um, because Tweetbot has a thing where if you looked at a tweet, it there might be gaps in your timeline. So it might be that you're looking at a nine-day-old nine tweet, and if you would scroll for like a minute, you would see that there's actually uh, that there's a gap, and if you then reload, it would load those in between. Mm. Did you check for that? It didn't, but that was that used to be the case before too, but it was still scrolling me up to the top to like a three day behind okay it might be that i didn't open the app in a while and maybe you're right maybe there are more tweets there but in general when i read twitter i do get the feeling that there are just a lot fewer people there and i don't think that's necessarily bad i can imagine it being good that people are starting to use um social media less often that's a weird way of speaking um, but people are using social media less and I think that's probably healthier but I am so struggling I feel like there are certain things that I want to say and especially now when we had the podcast I want to tell people about the podcast but I also don't only want to write on social media about podcasts and I do struggle finding my space I guess I don't really know I feel like there are not that many people mastered on yet and um, I don't really want to use Twitter Um but I know, Zach, you've been going back and starting to use Twitter again. And it's not that I miss it, but it's just I feel like when I want to use something, I don't know where to go. So I guess I'm just not writing anything. But in the same time, I do enjoy being part of the like tech community and speaking to people online. And I think I'm sort of missing that right now. And I don't really know where to where to go for that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, there is definitely less tweets. So regardless of whether that was a tweet bot issue or whatever, there's there's fewer, uh, either fewer people tweeting or just people are putting out fewer tweets per account, maybe. Uh, it That's definitely noticeable. And I know what you mean. It's really difficult to decide where to go. I think uh, we, we spoke about Mastodon a lot a few episodes ago. Uh, and it just, it hasn't, really taken off and you know half expected that but twitter are still where the people are even if there's slightly fewer people um there's definitely people on twitter still and but it does feel like a lot of people just are not anywhere i guess yeah there's there's fewer people but it's still like you know i think the the uh, in my case, anyway, the follower count on Mastodon to Twitter is like 20 to 1 or something. Uh, you know, it's just if I'm going to say something, there is an audience that is not exactly tiny on Twitter and it makes sense to go there because people are going to see what's being posted. Um, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. It's really difficult 
with the social media thing these days. And I think since I took that little Twitter break, I am using Twitter less. Um, definitely not reading every tweet. Uh, I'm, I am using it still. Uh, I do, I do still enjoy posting on Twitter, but yeah, it's definitely not as much and there's not as much to read either, um, which is somewhat of a nice change, but there is a definitely a, a different vibe uh, or feeling around Twitter these days. Yeah, and I guess like overall, I, I quite like taking a bit of a break and not being as much on social media. But I do think in certain cases, I want to like express myself or especially now when we make the podcast, I would like to continue like talking to people somewhere. And I'm not really sure where that would be at the moment. Um, so like how, so you just decided to go back to using, what, what made you decide to actually start using social media again, Zach, and why did you decide to go with Twitter? Was it mostly because there's, that's where the majority of people are? Yeah, so I was always going to go back to social media. It was just a matter of how much I would go back to social media. Uh, and Twitter was the obvious choice because, yeah, that's where the people are. That's where there is an audience there. It's not huge, but it's it's bigger than Mastodon. Uh, people are engaging on Twitter and... Yeah, that that was the the reason behind going back to Twitter. Um, I've been I've been wanting to take another break from Twitter, perhaps over the weekend. But I've been doing lots of uni assignments at the moment, and uh, I know that'd be a perfect time to stop. But also, it's like sometimes I'm at home for long hours on the weekend, and it's kind of nice to check in with Twitter. The procrastination is strong with you. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to to have a feed to check into, uh, you know, after writing a, a few hundred words or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's a struggle. I know what you mean. Um, there's no. I mean, I think a year ago, even Twitter was the obvious choice. And why would I be anywhere else? I don't actually use any other social networks. I don't know if I've mentioned that on the show, but I'm not on like the Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, any of those. Twitter is it for me. Um, and a year ago, it was absolutely obvious choice. Like everyone was there, everyone seemed to enjoy it. Um, it definitely becomes a bit more problematic when you're you're trying to. I mean, like you said, you want to engage with the tech community, but then if people in the tech community are still using Twitter, they're tweeting a lot about politics, and sometimes that's not exactly what you want when you go to a social network. I know it's important to be informed and to to read about those things, but I tend to get that news from other sources. Um, but it can be a little bit disheartening when you, you open Twitter and every second tweet is about something that's not very pleasant. Um, so I don't know. It is it is a, a bit of a struggle. So you've just been staying off most social networks, is that right? Yeah, like I, I read a bit of Mastodon, um, but overall I don't write much, and I also feel like a douche just retweeting every time a show is released. Like I don't I don't want to be that person who just use <laughs> use it for my brand and marketing. Uh, which Twitter is what we want us to, what 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 they want with which is what Twitter wants us to use it for. But like overall, I I don't want to like just spam people with what I'm doing. I want to actually be able to talk to people and like write something exciting or um, just write more follow up on what we did in the show. Um, but at the moment, I'm not doing anything, and I think it's comfortable. I, I am using. Instagram more. Um, I really want to, especially now. I, I take a lot of nice 
pictures. In, in my opinion, they're nice. Um, <laughs> I take a lot of pictures, um, and I want to be able to like share those. And I think often they just like drown in my uh, photos. So I want to put them out there. But apart from that, I'm not really using anything. And yeah, it's comfortable, but I don't really feel like this is not really a big pro. Like it shouldn't be a big problem. It should be something more comfortable. And I'm really not feeling an absence, but I do feel like. I really want to be part of a community and like Kai and I want to start meetups in Vancouver. And I think to do that, I think it's quite important to have a place to communicate with people. Sure, you can have Slack groups, but that's always on a, on an invite base. It's good to have something where people can just find you. Um, and that's what I'm missing. Yeah. And those social networks are so good for finding other people or for finding uh, you know, the, the type of people, the type of people you'd want in your audience. Uh, it's all well and good to say, oh, I'm going to just go back to writing blog on my own site. But then the problem arises of where's the audience? I mean, I the thought has crossed my mind of sort of ditching Twitter, writing things in more lengthy form on my blog, but also what that might have five readers. Um, so it's not it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, like people don't use RSS feeds anymore. People wouldn't actually exactly. go there. They rely on somewhere, like on finding it somewhere, which is usually Twitter. Yeah, exactly. And it's really hard when Twitter's built up that, I, I guess it's it's built up that sense of community. And I know that Twitter isn't uh, the greatest company, but they have a, a half decent product despite all the API changes. So it's it's really tough. Um, I mean, I opened Mastodon yesterday or the day before, maybe, and uh, there were probably like five new tweets in the last, oh, five new toots in the last week. It's it's mostly a ghost town there. Uh, I mean, I probably could fix that by following more people, but I'm supposedly following everyone on there who I do follow on Twitter. Um, so there should be, well, there would be some overlap, but I don't know. It makes it hard. Yeah, I'm not feeling like I, I really don't have a solution, but I was hoping to hear some opinions from you guys. Um, or if any of our listeners have a good idea, let us know. Um, so I, I in general feel a lot better since I moved away from, from mostly Twitter. Um, I mean, as we mentioned before on the show, I, I used to be a Twitter completionist, uh, which means not, Every single tweet in the universe, but everyone I follow, I would read all those tweets. Um, and it was quite quite nice to just give that up. And now I do sometimes check Twitter for specific things, kind of like I would check a website for a specific things. So if I'm curious about something, I might use TweetBot. I just scroll to the top, see if something happened, use search a lot more. So if I'm looking for nearby tweets or tweets about things like a specific event or, or or something like that. I might use hashtags more to to search for things, kind of get an idea of what people talk about. Um, I have to say I'm a small end where I feel like contributing is a bit, feeling a bit weird still. Don't really know. I also use Instagram a bit more, uh, but it's not really that you get communications out of that. I mean, I, I kind of like I kind of like podcasts as a communication medium. It's kind of nice to talk to you uh, every week. Um, not really something that scales to world scale. Um, you can't really do this with two hundred people. 
no, 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 that would be difficult. But for me, but if we if we start using FaceTime, we can at least have thirty people. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, is it thirty-two or who wants to join the show next week? <laughs> Um, but I feel like surprisingly, despite it just being the three of us talking, uh, it does take a lot of the thing that I, where I felt like I wanted to talk about things publicly. It covers a lot of that for me. So I do feel less of a desire. I might start using Twitter to post or, or whatever platform, but at the moment I feel quite comfortable with my social media usage. Yeah. I'm absolutely finding that I'm saving things more for the show. Uh, I mean, in past years, whenever I unbox a new Apple product, I'll generally spit out a few tweets, initial impressions or whatever. But this year, I actually stayed quiet about what model of watch I bought uh, until we mentioned it on the show. And a lot of those first impressions um, and thoughts about things came out in the last couple of episodes. Uh, and this is also uh, quantified by screen time, the the iOS 12 app usage reporting feature thing. Um, where I got the report this morning, um, uh, you know, Sunday morning, they send out the, the time for the week. And in general, my phone usage was actually down quite a bit, uh, over the last week, but I did go in and look at the time I spent on Tweetbot and it was actually less than 20 minutes a day. Uh, and that's with no restrictions. I don't have any of those time limits anymore. Uh, during the beta period, I did have some time limits. I think it was 40 minutes a day and I'd often mm-hmm. hit up against that limit. Uh, whereas this, this in this last week anyway, the last seven days, uh, it was less than 20 minutes a day, which is a huge drop-off, um, but it's probably for the best. Let me look what I have. I didn't get the report, but um, social networking for the last seven days. So weekly total would be uh, nine hours, 45 minutes. But that is for everything, not social media. For everything. Social network would be... Uh, here it is. Oh, yeah. One hour, 52 minutes. Okay, that's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, mine's and uh, two hours and two minutes with Tweetbot, but then 52 minutes in Telegram and 47 in messages. So oh, Tweetbot all is... in all social networks a bit higher. Tweetbot is only nine minutes the last seven days for me. Oh, nice. Uh, really what's... Good. The most is Overcast. Yeah, me too. Messages, Safari, uh, Instagram, Tweet, uh, what's it called? Mastodon. And then it's like reasonable things, like non-social media things. For me, the majority is reading and reference with almost 18 hours. And... Social networking has an hour and uh, 38 minutes. Not bad. How are your pickups looking? Where do you see pickups again? Scroll down on the last seven days tab. Oh, here. Whoa. Sorry. That's a lot. Um, so 64 per day. Okay. I'm at 70. It's not great. Okay. I feel like I often... I also have 64 a day. Look at you two, in sync. Yeah, I don't really feel like we have any solution to this social media problem, uh, even if it even is a problem. Uh, but yeah, just want to express my unhappiness and general concerns, because I think that's that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a therapy session. Yes. So it's time for the list. After a few weeks of a break on list, uh, 
we've decided to spend some time this episode to go over the list, uh, look at the apps that we've got on there, look at maybe how they've changed, if they've gotten any updates for iOS 12 or other things, uh, and then discuss whether we think they should move up or down the list. And we're going to try and do this fairly quickly, uh, so we won't go on too long, but um, yeah, the idea is to just sort of revisit, tidy the list, uh, and then next week we'll get back into the regular picks where we add to the list. And I will also add the list in the show notes. So if you don't want to listen to all of this, you can... I th- this will be the last segment. So if you really don't care, you, you're safe to turn off here and just look at the list in the show notes. Yep. Uh, and if this is why we use chapters. So you can, if you use Castro, I think you can uh, block out the list chapter altogether every week. Maybe some people do that. It'd be kind of brutal, but we see how it is. <laughs> If you do this, let us know. <laughs> Please, yes, feedback. All right, so on the top we have Tweetbot, uh, which, fit, which fits very well with our previous topic. Um, I mean, we still use Tweetbot, but maybe not as regularly as number two, which is Solver. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking maybe we should move Tweetbot down. It's still a good app, though. Thoughts? Yeah, um... I think we're all using it a little bit less, but I think as far as the app goes, it's still a really good app. And what are we judging on on this list? Are we judging on the quality of the app? Because if we are, then it probably deserves that spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I know we have in the past said, oh, we do use things a lot, so they deserve a higher space. I would probably think it doesn't deserve first place, but I don't know if anything on the list should jump much higher than it, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I know for me anyway the two most used apps on my phone outside of like Apple default apps are probably still Tweetbot and uh, a podcast player. So it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep it there then. How about Solver? Has that gotten any updates? That's in number two at the moment. I don't use it, so I'm not sure. No change is big enough to warrant a change in placement. Okay, moving on. Uh, We have things in number three. I'm happy to still keep it there. Still a nice app. Haven't seen any significant changes. Uh, there was something that seemed nicer, which I forgot about. I should have written it down. If I only had a shortcut to write it in my podcast preparation notes. <laughs> um, no, but overall, I think it's still uh, quite a nice app. Uh, I think we should keep it on level uh, on the third place. Instead of going through each spot, uh, should we just pick specific ones that we think need need to change? Because okay. I feel like otherwise we just keep talking about things that do not change. Sure. Uh, I did want to talk about Outcast anyway, which is number four. Uh, I don't necessarily think it deserves to change, but I don't. I would argue it doesn't deserve to fall, whatever happens. Um, so Outcast, you'll recall, is the app for listening to uh, podcasts on your Apple Watch without an iPhone. And there is another app that has uh, released an update with... Well, Outcast got a lot better because it has the uh, WatchOS 5 background audio uh, stuff that it can take advantage of now. So it's uh, a lot more reliable when listening to shows, which is fantastic. And I just want to point out, there was another app that got updated uh, supposedly to offer standalone p- podcast playback with watchOS 5, and that's Overcast. Um, I still think that over- at the Outcast is a much better app, at least much better watch app than uh, Overcast. Just my experience with Overcast's watch app hasn't been great. It really struggles to sync shows across. You can't download on the watch on the fly. Um, 
it's it's unreliable being out in a few walks and it's like oh i really want to listen to show x that he's definitely on my phone but it hasn't come across in its auto sync transfer thing so i resort to using outcast uh so i just want to give another big thumbs up to outcast because still is my go-to uh podcast app on the watch despite uh i guess fears that uh, another app would uh would be better than it but yeah thumbs up there from me uh kai i can see you've highlighted number five uh weatherline no i did oh you also did okay (laughs) <laughs> you've both oh, no, got highlighted in the document yeah so i think um considering that it's getting the temperature is changing all over the world um not saying it's getting cold here but it is changing um so i think we should maybe potentially move uh weatherline up a bit because i tend to use it quite frequently and it's a really nice weather app and i think weather apps deserves quite a high spot because uh, i'm a bit of a weather app nerd well, we know the rules here that if Weatherline moves up, Outcast has to move up equally. <laughs> Not a rule. Definitely a rule. That's in the contract I signed. <laughs> that you wrote and then signed all by yourself. Hey, I didn't want to tell people that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've actually used Weatherline slightly less at the moment because... Uh, Still waiting for the uh, new new promised update. Um, actually, played with um, uh, carrot weather for a little bit now, um, just because of the uh, watch app. The watch app yep, is pretty same. nice. Um, for that reason, I think weatherline to me at least doesn't really need any any position changes for now, and I'd rather revisit it when there are uh, updates to it. Oh, okay. Um, well, I've been I've been wanting to move Weatherline up for a while. I thought this was a good argument, but if you guys don't agree with me, let's keep it there. It's fine. How, however, I do think there's another weather app that might now need to drop a bit just because it's gone. Well, I was gonna uh, propose something here. Actually, I think that because Pocket Weather is in six, and as we spoke about, it is uh, no longer on the App Store. I think apps that are no longer on the App Store or that have been acquired and are going away should be removed from the list. So I think this should be applied to both Ooh. Pocket Weather in six and Astro in eight. What do you? What are your thoughts? What if we have a Hall of Fames list? That could work. So we have a separate Hall of Fames list, which includes yeah, like the retired ones. I think Pocket Weather would deserve that potentially. I don't think Astro does. Hall of Fame. Pocket Weather is our first entrance. Entrant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd be happy with removing them. I don't think it makes sense to have a list that someone looks at, tries to download an app, and it doesn't exist. I agree. Just added a Hall of Fame uh, list in the bottom of our document, and I will also move... Uh, where did we put it? Astro there as well, which was on uh, point seven. And I guess I move it down, or do we just take it out? It's gone. Goodbye, Astro. All right. Um, next on the list is City Mapper. Uh, I don't think it really deserves to change. It definitely doesn't deserve to drop. I did want to highlight they've got some really cool Siri shortcuts support. Uh, yeah, I've been using it a little that. bit more. Um, it looks really awesome. Uh, I haven't set it up yet, but just in the app, they've got examples, uh, like screenshot examples of what you can do with Siri shortcuts. It looks really cool. 
Um, the integration looks really nice. I still can't quite use City Mapper on my commute because a uh, few reasons, but mainly the uh, the way it wants to take me isn't the actually the fastest way. Oh, um, really? It seems to favor like four different transport modes when I can get there in one and it's direct. But anyway, um, it looks really cool. So I think they've done a good job there with, with shortcuts. I was actually going to argue for bumping them up because of that, because I think their their series shortcuts stuff is actually really nice and that they have screenshots of what it looks like. And I feel like they're they're explaining it well. And I thought it was a really nice implementation of those features. I do agree that part's really nice. I just wish I could use the app more. Yeah. So for that reason, I would actually... Uh, did, you, did you report to them that about your issues? No, I have... There are public transport apps that work fine. I really should, but... Just let them know. It would be interesting just to see how long it takes for them to fix it. Yeah, good point. But, uh, yeah, so I was actually uh, considering to put it on on four because of that. So it bumps up two spots and weatherline. But then it would overtake Outcast. I don't think we can have that. So we're just stating facts on this podcast now? (laughs) (laughs) For a change. Okay, uh, I wouldn't mind moving it up. To five. To four. We're not moving. If we move weather line down, Outcast goes down with it. We really need to work out who won the draft. The the, the problem is with Outcast more that both Small and I do not listen to podcasts on our watch. So we have two people who while appreciating the software are not using it and city mapper is something we're at least using daily so i do feel like city mapper has a better argument for being on a higher spot than something that we're not using counterpoint if you decided to use outcast it would work for you if i decided to use city mapper it wouldn't work but we, that's not the situation we're in we're in a situation where two of us use it almost daily <laughs> and I just I don't I don't see myself at least for another year like listening to podcasts on my watch. I I appreciate that it's possible and I think it makes the watch better. But considering that it's our personal list and I'm not a daily user of it, while I am of the other, and it's great and it implemented new things in a good way, I feel like it's hard to to argue for it to be below something we're not using. At least two of us are not using. Hmm. Fine. I hope there's an October event with another draft. <laughs> and I do think we have always been arguing whether Outcast or Waterline should be higher. So I don't think it's fair to move just one of them down. Fair so point. City Mapper is on four, Outcast five, Waterline on six. Beautiful. I think that makes sense. And, I mean, as I already said, next uh, next year I'll probably get an LTE Apple Watch. And um, that will probably have a, uh, a bigger impact on me leaving my phone at home and therefore on my podcast listen habits while on the go. And then that might change. Fair point. Oh, another thing about the, the decisions made, but another like point in favor of Outcast versus the other app that I mentioned before. The quality of the audio in Outcast is what you'd expect. It downloads the full podcast episode. The other app, which uh, transcodes and then sends it across from the iPhone app, is really low audio quality. And it's really noticeable, especially for shows that may have some music. Um, 
even audio you can tell i forgot to mention that before but that's another um another benefit to using outcast over the other one yeah uh, again something that i wouldn't notice because i don't use any of those features sorry we'll give it a year <laughs> I feel like all of us have been using time there quite a lot, so I'm thinking we should maybe move it up a bit. Yeah, definitely. Since that was added to the list, uh, I think we've used it every week to plan the show, yeah. uh, and I'm a really big fan of that app. What if we move it under... Under Hold Down? down. Yeah. yeah. Above Hold Down? All three of us use it. Not all three of us use Hold Down. That's the thing. So I've I feel like the same argument I just used on City Mapper applies there. I I play Hold On more than any game I've ever played on iOS before. I believe I think it was during my week when I was sick. Uh, it was the most used app on my phone. <laughs> um, but because both of you are not using it, I do think time there makes more sense to be on top of Hold On. Cool. Sounds good. Um, I want to and just for time there uh, being like a mostly at least I mostly use the iMessage app, um, being a pretty decent iMessage app where you can basically have two cities to your left and your right, and you can compare time zones with like a scroll. You kind of scroll through the time, and you see on the left, I usually have my city, so Vancouver, and on the right, I would have in this example, Zach City, Sydney. And I kind of scroll to what time it is for me at a specific given point in time. And then I see what time it would be for Zach. Uh, they do kind of nice things with colors to indicate whether it's night or, or day. Um, and when you find a time that, that you kind of like, you can just send it away. And it uh, shows Zach uh, like a suggestion for a podcast recording time, for example. So that's kind of what we're using it for. And for that, it works really, really well. Yep, and about half of Australia jumped over to uh, daylight savings or, or summertime uh, overnight, and it worked uh, seamlessly uh, when trying to schedule this podcast, despite the jump uh, of an hour. So that was quite nice. Hmm. Time zones yeah. are really hard to get right, so uh, good job. All right, I think we've been talking about most of the ones that I was curious about, like moving up. But I guess I was I want to ask you a sec about one more not- not- notability. Have you used it? Um, yes, and I have, and I remember uh, when I added it to the list, I, I was starting to try out the Mac app and I was starting to play around with it on my phone. It hasn't really gotten any better. I don't particularly like the, uh, the app on the iPhone. It's, it's not even that great on the Mac. Uh, I'm not going to go into that now because we're a little bit time constrained, but, uh, I don't think it, uh, deserves to be above one password anymore. Uh, I'd be happy to drop it down and move one password up. I'm not sure if you want to move one password higher than uh, just to 14. I was just about to say, I think I think one password should now be our new nine. Uh, just because nine? Yeah. At, at yeah. least, if yeah. not, if not uh, eight. We're all using it now. Um, I'd probably push for eight. And the iOS 12 changes are great. I'm I'm happy. With I agree. That. Same logic as before. Let's put it to eight and have hold down under that. Because their their integration with iOS twelve is is really really nice. Uh, and yep. And they were there before iOS twelve dropped. I'm pretty sure on the App Store. Like that's that's also a nice commitment from developers to see that. Uh, you know, day zero on the App Store type thing. Yeah. Plus the additional benefit of the two factor thing that I didn't didn't expect. Or something I thought would be nice, but not something I expected for day one. But we got it, so I think uh, their their iOS twelve update was was 
really making a big difference on how I use one password. Definitely. All right. Uh, and I think we all agree that Weather Update 3 is still down the bottom of the list, number 16. Did they get an iOS 12 update? <laughs> <laughs> I deleted that from my phone. I'm going to check that out now. <laughs> oh, look at that. Siri shortcut support. No way. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, uh, I think that's fine to stay where it is. Man, I did not think we would spend this long on shortcuts. In all this time, we could have written almost one entire shortcut to save us two seconds at a time. <laughs>